The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Thank you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we do thank you for your kindness again. We thank you for this time to celebrate the coming of the King. And Lord, I pray now that you'd quiet our hearts as we listen to your word. And Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would again move in our midst in a mighty way. Lord, we love you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so if you have your Bibles, if you would, look at Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Although this text was written 2,700 years ago, our culture, we are more than familiar with it. We sing it, we say it, we see it on decorations and Christmas cards that unto us is born a child, a son is given. But what we may be unfamiliar with is the significance of this prophecy. This prophecy is a prophecy not just of a son or a child being born and given. It is a prophecy of a coming government. A real, literal government that will rule and reign. A government not of oppression, but of peace and of joy and of happiness. A government that will have a divine ruler. One who is from everlasting to everlasting, who is the Prince of Peace. And it will be a government without end. It will not fall, it will not collapse, it will not fade into insignificance. It's an amazing promise, it's an amazing prophecy. But even greater than that this morning is when we hear this prophecy and consider 2,700 years ago who it was written to. If we were to read chapters 8 and 9, we would see that it was given to a people who were struggling. They were being oppressed. They had faced injustice. There was uncertainty and hopelessness in their world. And real evil ruled the day. Their their temperament or their it's characterized, the climate of that culture, is spoken of as one of gloom, anguish, distress, and trouble. It says that these people were walking in darkness, not knowing where they're going, stumbling and hopeless, and that they dwell in a land of the shadow of death. And as you think about that, as it's written to these people, you get this idea of the land and this just darkness of death coming and creeping in to where it's palpable. You can feel it and experience it. This is who this promise is written to. 2,700 years ago. But can I say to you this morning that we face the same conditions and the fa- same, face the same problems and troubles that these people faced as well 2,700 years ago. Human nature and the human condition does not change. 
And for all of us this morning, I know it's Christmas, and I know we celebrate, and many of us love this time of year, but the fact of the matter is we too face darkness, gloom, trouble, and distress in our own lives this morning. There is the darkness of the soul, of the human soul. Listen to me. Humanity intuitively knows that something is missing. Something has gone awry. Something is amiss. We, we know that what we see and what we experience on this earth is not the way it was meant to be. Even the individual who has an atheistic concept and worldview, in their hearts they long for justice and peace and love and beauty, which doesn't make sense if we're just a bunch of molecules. They know, and we know, that in our soul, something is missing. There's a void, there's a hole that we long to fill. Our soul faces darkness, distress, and trouble. And what we try to do then is to fill our life with all kinds of distractions, with the stuff, with the experiences. We pine for more and try to fill it with our work, our entertainment, our accomplishments. We seek to numb the emptiness and pain, to mitigate it somehow, this pining that we know is out there, that eternity is in our soul. And so we try to numb it with drinks and drugs and sex and the endless party, but to no avail. And behind the empty smile are souls in darkness who are lost and lonely without hope. And so, humanity stumbles through darkness, not knowing where they're going. And my friend, that may be you this morning. You have felt, you are feeling the darkness of the soul. And you've tried to fill it in every way possible. And time and time again, you come up empty, like holding a handful of sand. It goes through your fingers. There's a darkness of the soul. But there's more. There's a darkness of shared experience. Life in this fallen world is hard. It's hard. We slog through. It's difficult. We live in the land of the shadow of death. And the truth is, even with the joy that many of us feel today, we know inside that everything that we see and hold dear, someday we will lose it all. The gifts this morning, the presents, eventually... Well, if you have boys, they'll be gone tomorrow. They pass away. Our health fails. Jobs are terminated. Relationships crumble. And loved ones are lost. And I know for many of you this morning, it's like, this is the most wonderful time of the year. How many folks this morning, Christmas is it for you. This is your holiday. Can I see your hands? Oh, wow, a bunch of downers this morning except for my wife and several others. The most wonderful time of the year. And God bless you folks. But may I remind you this morning that for many, this is the first time there'll be an empty seat, an empty spot. Someone's missing. Or it's the second time or the third time. And that whole is not filled. This is humanity. 
This is a shared, shared experience of all of us. And life in a fallen world is difficult. There's a darkness of the soul. There's a darkness of shared experience. And then there's a darkness of our society. Our society. Where we live now. As I get older, it's an amazing thing. My childhood memories are more vivid than ever. I don't know if that's natural or normal. I can't remember what my wife tells me to get out of the refrigerator now. But I can remember my childhood. And, and maybe this is my age where we start, you know, recollecting like the storm this weekend. Well, when we were kids, we walked to school five miles in storms like this, uphill both ways, right? And we say those nonsensical things. And the younger generation rolls their eyes and thinks we're crazy. But listen to me. We, we think of the old days, how great they were. But I have to tell you, they were not as good as we thought they were. Our history is always changing. There were difficult times. But I have to say, in our culture today, there's a different kind of evil. There's a different kind of oppression. Um, there's a different kind of darkness. And our world has always been dark. Every generation faces darkness. But there's ac- access to it now. On every level. Evil and darkness abounds. Look at the news. Wars, atrocities, crimes, the homeless problem and crisis in our own town. Dysphoria of every type. And the fact is there's a darkness in our society, in our culture, where we live. Right? It's not just somewhere over there. It's here. Johnny Erickson Tata said this about evil. The unthinkable becomes tolerable, and then acceptable, then legal, then applaudable. And that's where we find ourselves. And in some way this morning, although this text was written 2,700 years ago to a people who were struggling in darkness, in one way or the other today, all of us in this room face one or all of these darknesses. With that in mind now, and comprehending where we're at and what we face, I want you to look at the promise again of this verse and what precedes the promise? Listen to what's said in, in verse number 2 of Isaiah 9, right before we get the promise of this coming government and prince of peace. It says, the people, these people, distressed, darkness, trouble, anxiety, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You you don't even need to imagine 2,700 years ago for these people who are facing these times. We just have to think of our own life and the darkness we experience. The thought of light changes everything. One of the things that we miss about our candlelight service, which was canceled, sorry for the folks who showed up, um, It's a beautiful picture of darkness in the auditorium. And one single light will always expel the darkest night. And so here are people in gloom, in anxiety, in distress, in trouble, in the shadow of darkness. And they get this word from the prophet. Listen to me. You are going to see a light. 
in the shadow. You're going to see a light in the land of the shadow of death. You will see it all, this great light, and it will change everything. And then, 700 years later, that very statement from Isaiah is repeated by a man named Zacharias. His words are echoed once again. Look at Luke chapter 1. And, and I don't think verse 70, oh, 77 is on there. Good. Here's where Zacharias is the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord. He is the one to prepare the way of the Lord. And so he is born, and now Zacharias makes his prophecy. And here's what he says in verse 77 of Luke 1. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Listen to me. I think so many times we think of a king and being ruled and what we really need. But the greatest need that every human being has this morning is the need of our sins being cared for. And the guilt and the shame... And so he says that this will happen by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. That word day spring is interesting. It means dawn. It means sunrise. It means the first light of heaven. If you've ever been outside and you've been driving during the night or you've been outside camping, there's something about the first dawn of heaven. It's a beautiful thing. And the prophecy says that this day spring from on high has visited us. The first light of heaven. And it's visited us. Why? He says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah says, listen, it's been 700 years. We've been thinking about this prophecy. We are too in a time of darkness and Roman oppression. We've been waiting for one to come. And then he says, listen to me, it is here. The day spring, the light has risen and now there is hope. And he is clearly speaking of the one that we celebrate this morning. Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus confirms this when he says in John chapter 8, verse number 12. But, but before we get there, do you, do you know the context of this statement? John 8. John 8 is one of my favorite stories in the book of John. It's the woman at the well. It's, oh, good, I'm glad someone knows it. I do too. Thank you, Yusuf. The woman at the well, caught in the very act of sin. And they bring her before Christ. And they say, our law says we should stone her. The shame, surrounded by a bunch of men. And they come to Christ to trip him up. And he says nothing. He says nothing to them. He stoops down and writes in the sand. And then he stands up and says, let him without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they leave. The woman is standing there with the Savior. He says, woman, where are your accusers? I have none, Lord. And then he says, go and sin no more. And right after that, this is what Christ says. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is why Christ has come. My friend this morning, listen to me. 
The fact of the matter is, the God of heaven has invaded this planet. The eternal God took upon him flesh. He became a baby. It's what we celebrate today. He came as the light of the world. For all those in darkness, no matter what the darkness is, Jesus says, I am the true light. I have come that you may have light and life. And so God took on flesh. And when he did, he walked and lived among us. He lived a life that we could never live. None of us. We are image bearers of God, made in his image, designed to reflect his goodness and his glory. And too often in our lives, we misrepresent God. We look nothing like him. His love, his glory, his beauty, his kindness, his long-suffering. And we mistreat other image bearers as well. We lie, we steal, we cheat. We use people all the time. And Christ comes and he lives a life that we were meant to live. He came to show us what it truly means to be human. And we all fail, every one of us. We cannot keep God's righteous standards. We cannot be perfect. All of us have broken his law over and over again. Christ fulfills the law. And then in the ultimate act of love, we who are sinners, he who knew no sin, the baby of Bethlehem, becomes the God-man on the cross of Calvary. And he takes his own precious, perfect life and he dies the death we all deserved. And in that moment, the wrath of God was poured upon his head and justice was satisfied. Jesus Christ paid the price for you and for me. He died. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. This is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. He has invaded our planet to show us the way to live and to show us life eternal. And now, through that light, the light of Christ, everything has changed. Everything has changed. The grave now is a place of hope. Of hope. Yes, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in quantity and quality, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for the empty soul this morning, listen to me, the grave has no power for the believer. It is truly just a shadow of death. It's a shadow. It cannot harm. It cannot hurt. This is the change that Christ makes. The grave now is a place of hope those who are empty in their souls, that it was meant to be filled. There's a God void there. It can only be filled through Christ himself. The grave is a place of hope. And for those of us who have lost loved ones, not just the names that were mentioned this morning, but for those who died in Christ, there is coming a day and a time when we will see them again. We will embrace them. We will hold them. They will have bodies. They will live again because of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. The grave now becomes a place of hope. Not only that, but the grind of life. For all of us this morning, we now have help. We are not on our own. He is the light for us when all other lights go out. We have a God that was so concerned about us that he was willing to leave heaven's glories to take on flesh and to walk among us. And he knows, not like God knows, but he knows like humanity knows, 
If you've ever suffered, if you've ever had loss in your life, if you've ever been disappointed by people, if you've ever been in a dysfunctional relationship with people, if you've ever been hungry, weary, tired, worn, the God of heaven knows. He knows you. He knows what you've experienced and are experiencing. All the sorrow, all the pain, he's entered into it. He has touched this morning with the feelings of your infirmities. Your infirmities. And he's come to help you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there by your side to guide us into the peace and wholeness. We don't have to slog through life on our own. There is help in the living Lord. Help in the living Lord. The grave is a place of hope. The grind of life, we have help. And now in the grime and filth of our culture, Christ has placed light here through his people. Uh, The early church did not go around saying, oh, look what's become of the world. And bemoaning every problem and every tragedy, every atrocity. Instead, they said, look what has come to the world. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And not only is he in the light of the world, that light is the light that he gives for every believer this morning. If you are a child of God, the light of Christ dwells in you. And just as he came to show us how to live this life, we too are to follow him and push back the darkness of our own world. Our own world. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's the meaning of Easter. That's the meaning of Christ coming. That God was on a search and rescue mission. And not only that... He was on a mission to seek and destroy the kingdom of Satan. You know where he starts? He starts in your heart and in my heart by transforming us. And now as believers in Christ who know the light, we then are to give light to those around us. Those who know hope are to give hope. Those who know peace are to give peace. We are to be the light of the world to this world of grime and filth to make a difference for the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, the light has come. The kingdom has already started. And there is coming a day when it will come to fruition when he splits the eastern skies. But until then, no one understand. The grave now is a place of hope. In the grind of life, we have help. And in this world of darkness, it is incumbent upon us as God's people, to be the light. And listen, the darker it gets, the easier it is to be light. How is that done? Well, it's done by opening your church up for a stranded motorist and people leaving their homes on Christmas Eve to serve others. It's done by a kind word instead of a snarky comment. It's done by a kind act for someone who can't do anything in return. It's done by being kind to your spouse. By seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. It's done by respecting your parents, teenagers. It's done by wherever God has placed you. Do you understand, as believers this morning, who understand that light is in us now, our life is a constant adventure every day of our life, no matter where we're at. Why? Because wherever we step, 
Wherever we go, wherever we're planted, light and life are within us, and it's there to share and to change the world around us. If your life is boring as a Christian today, it's because you're boring. Not because of Jesus. Because Jesus gives me hope and fulfillment and purpose that wherever, wherever I show up, in my home, in my community, in my place of work, out on the street pumping gas, I now have within me the light of the world that changes everything. And so my friend in Christ, listen, celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And not only have we seen the great light, we know the great light. And it is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your kindness and grace. constant. We thank you for your tender mercies, that you would love us and care for us and not leave us in darkness. We thank you that we have light in Christ, and that light changes everything. And so, Lord, this morning, if there's someone here who knows the Christmas story, who glories in this time of the year, and yet there is darkness in their soul, they live a life without hope, groping, striving to find something to fill that emptiness, and even trying religion but not knowing you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would trust you as Savior. They would stop pushing it off. But they would come today and call upon your name and know the light of the world, Christ. Lord, help them to receive the light today. And for those of us who are right in the midst of the slog of life and the difficulties that we face and the grime and, and, and guilt of this world, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that we have the light within us. You've come to help us and that we, too, would be the light. We've received it. Help us to be it. And so, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this gathering. Now, Lord, I pray that you continue to help us to worship as we close this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.